Well, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Sports and Nonsense podcast. I've got a very, very special guest today. He's an absolute legend, NRL legend, Super League legend. He's played for the Warriors, the Panthers, the Tigers. Then he went to England, played for Salford. Now he plays for the Featherstone Rovers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's also a rapper and he's also a qualified pilot. Elijah Taylor, how you going, brother? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Um, looking no forward worries, to this, no, mate, you're a legend for doing it, eh? I really appreciate it. I can't, yeah, can't appreciate it enough. It's all good, bro. Well, I'm just going to talk to you about your your life, your footy career, and ask you a few questions, and yeah, see how we go, man. Yeah, sweet lad, sweet. All right, we'll start from the very beginning, eh? So you're born in New Zealand, obviously. Um, did you start your career? You just like played rugby union because obviously union's a lot bigger over there than league. So did you start playing union or always league? Yeah, we started playing union when I was young in a place called um, Taranaki. Uh, we weren't allowed to play contact until I think 12 years old. So it was all touch. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like touch rugby. Um, and we didn't, we, we weren't allowed to do contact until we were about 13. But yeah, that's where I grew up. That's where I, I played rugby until I was 18 years old. Um, yeah, I used to love the game. I was pretty passionate about it. My dad was a, a big All Blacks fan, so it kind of ran through the family um, and it brushed off on me. So that's when it all started yep. in the backyard, um, playing rugby union. Yep. Is that is union, like, obviously I don't, I've never been in New Zealand, but I just know from what I've seen, union's like, say, 100 times bigger than league over there, or is league catching up? Nah, I think it's just the culture thing. Uh, yep. Rugby union will always be the, the big sport in New Zealand. Uh, it's just ingrained, and it's all over the TV, media, uh, etc. Um, it's similar to the UK, so soccer will always be the number one sport, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no matter what. Any other sport comes in, um, soccer will all be, always be number one. So it's yeah. um, similar to New Zealand rugby union will be the dominant sport and always will be, um, I think, for, for a long time to come. Yeah, for sure. I mean, most like you hear about a lot of kids coming through. That's always their dream in New Zealand to play for the All Blacks. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you're young, you're, you're learning the All Black haka when you're um, – Get in the local fields. There's always a game of touch in the afternoon um, around little towns around New Zealand, and that's where all that's where it gets ingrained to play for the All Blacks or to play rugby at a young age. And uh, I think yeah, they'll they'll never change. Yeah, for sure. So, were you getting contacted by? Well, obviously, you started your career with the Warriors in Toyota Cup. Was called Toyota Cup back then when you started. Not Holden Cup? Yeah, man, yeah. That was a really tough competition. The under-20s competition, that was um, one of the toughest. Because I remember um, all the games are like 10, 12, 18, 16. The, the score lines, they were like really tight games. And yep. um, that's when the first year of the under-20 system at the Warriors, that's where uh, I was introduced to like week-in-week week, uh, rugby league against the best players in Aussie. Yeah, very good. And you played what forty? I looked looked up a bit of information about you, as I should have. <laughs> you played your first forty six games or something straight in the Toyota Cup. Do you remember? If that's is that true? Or yeah, not? yeah, yeah. That was um, that was at the Warriors. That was uh, pretty intense. But I learned a lot from, through those uh, those years where um, preparation, discipline, uh, time management. Yeah. Hotels, traveling to Australia every second weekend, so you had to be pretty good with your timekeeping and um, yep. recovery and all that kind of stuff. So I learned a lot through those Toyota Cup years. I was really grateful. The Warriors really looked after us as players. Um, we got to stay in some really nice hotels. We got looked after yep. like with Vodafone, our main sponsor, and Air New Zealand, one of our main sponsors as well. So. I look back and we were so fortunate um, to be at the Warriors because 
there was such a, a wealthy club. They had a lot of money. They looked after their players. Yeah. yeah, very good. I reckon they should bring the um, under twenties back to the, to the NRL. It's well, that's, great, that's great the thing. For 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 the development of especially in New Zealand, like for us players coming through the New Zealand system, yeah. it was vital that we had the under twenties because uh, if there's nothing, then it's going to be hard to make that transition up to first grade. Um, so. I'd love to see it come back, uh, but I suppose yeah, a lot of money is going towards the women's game now, so I don't think yeah. it will be seen uh, under twenties competition uh, anytime soon in terms of yeah. what it used to be. Yep, yeah, yeah, true, true. So you made your debut in two thousand eleven, round four for the Warriors. How was that, mate? Was that amazing, exciting, scary? How'd you feel? Yeah, that was that was exciting. That was that was really exciting. Um, I was supposed to debut in two thousand and nine, but I did a hamstring, uh, and I finally got an opportunity to play in first grade against Cronulla. They had a big pack too: uh, Paul Gallon, Tupo, um, Jeremy Smith, Fafida, Takatisi. Bro, they had a huge Ford pack. Um, but it was good. I was, I was really excited. I was a young kid. I was ambitious. I had a lot of goals I wanted to achieve that year. And I was just really happy for Ivan for giving me an opportunity. And yep. uh, I'll never forget it, definitely. Oh, good stuff. I mean, that'd be pretty scary. You just said you were very excited. But was there any, like, as you said, you had to come come up against, like, Paul Gallon and Fafita and that? Were you just like, holy crap, look at the size of these guys? <laughs> When you're a young fellow man, you, you want to try and uh, make your mark, um, obviously, because if you don't, you're going to get run over. So uh, I can't yeah, wait to get, into, to get into a tackle or, or to, to get into a collision against like some of the best forwards in the game at the time. And yeah, it was a great experience too. It's, it was everything yeah. I expected it to be. I was really happy for my family too because they they supported me a lot, uh, driving me to trainings and that. So yeah, yep. to be able to pay them back, I was um, yeah, I was pretty grateful, man. Pretty grateful. Yeah, right. So how were you, how were you told? Like, how did it all come about? Did he were you told like a week in advance, or was it like an early sort of like a late sort no, of so come up? Lost, yeah. 2011, we lost three games. The first three opening games to the season. And um, I was 18th man for two of those games. And I was thinking, yep. bro, surely I get a crack now. Surely I get a crack now. <laughs> yep. And then, yeah, Ivan, Ivan brings me into his office on Tuesday. And he, um, and he tells me I'll, I'll be coming off the bench. What edge I'll be playing. I think I was playing outside Jimmy Maloney. Um, yep. Lance Ohio was my center. And, oh, bro, I was stoked, man. I rang mum and dad. Uh, crying and that, yeah. And it was just a lot of hard work went into. Like I did a big preseason. It was my third preseason with the NRL, and those preseasons are very hard. And just to get, I finally get an opportunity to to put it to work. Uh, I was really excited, mate. Yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. Eh? What was it like playing with blokes like Simon Mannering and? Like James Maloney and Sean Johnson, what was it like coming in playing with them guys? Oh, bro, it's cool, man. Like, I watched Simon for a long time. Obviously, I was at the club before I debuted. I just watched him, how he trained, how he recovered, how he played. Uh, we had a good senior leadership there at the time. Uh, Ruben Wickey was there. Steve Price was there. Uh, Jerome Party was there. Lance O'Hire. So, yep. like, stalwarts of the game. Michael Luck was there, and uh, those senior boys, they, we had a really good culture, and we worked hard for each other, and um, just to finally put on the you know, play alongside them, it was, it, was a, yeah. it was a great experience. So were they like, really welcoming and like, really helped you get through, you know, like coming into first grade and that? Were they really good with you like that, the senior boys? Oh, yeah, man. Like, that, that, that's what I was saying, like, um, yeah, they're all happy. They're all excited, and, and it's something that you don't notice over here 
in the UK, like when a young kid yeah. makes his debut, a lot of players are like, oh, he's coming to take my position or, oh, like, <laughs> it's kind of a negative thing. Yeah, bro, swear, swear. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, big, yeah. They call yeah, it the old, the, old, uh, the um, imposter syndrome or something. I've never heard of it, bro. But yeah, yeah. back in NRL, like when a young fella's making his debut, all the boys are like, yeah, like, congrats, man. Yeah. Everybody's giving him high fives in there. But over here, like, the older boys are like, oh, this young fella's coming from my position. Who who does he think he is kind of thing? It's, it's just, it's, bro, it's bad. Um, that's that's yeah. That's strange, eh? But, I that, yeah, that's really strange. That's really strange. <laughs> I think it's a culture thing. I think it's an England yeah, culture yeah. thing. Um, but no, all the all the all the old boys, the senior leadership group, really happy for me. The coaching staff were happy. So, uh, like I said, bro, we had a good we had a good culture at the Warriors back then. Yep. So Ivan Cleary was your coach at that point too. He was when you first come in, as you said. Yeah. So Ivan was there. So I got there when I was a junior at about 2006, just, yep. just development. And Ivan, that was Ivan's first year as coach, I think. Um, and I learned a lot from Ivan. Like everything I know about rugby league was taught through his lens kind of thing. Uh, yep. I followed him over to Penrith. Uh, and it, we had the Tigers together. Uh, got a really good relationship with him. And it's just so good to see Penrith do well, uh, yeah. especially the way he was treated in 2015, how Ivan was treated by the by uh, Gus and the Panthers. And just to see yep. him now, you know, three grand finals in a row, it's pretty special. Yeah, they're uh, nearly, nearly unbeatable. Eh? It's crazy how good they're going. Man, just watching them, it's, it's just, yeah, it's hard to stop that attack. And the defense is crazy. Yeah, is NRL like obviously NRL will be big over there, but is it played like on TV as much, or do you need to like subscribe to some sort of thing to be able to watch NRL? Or is it is it pretty pretty big over there too? Uh, so you need you need like Foxtel to watch it. It's not yeah, on yeah. free to air TV over here, but that's the thing over here, bro. Rugby league's dying here in UK. Um, it's pretty. It's it's pretty worrying if you're a rugby league fan. Um, but there's yeah, more we... NRL games on over here than Super League games. Oh, uh, right. So yeah, so only there's only two live Super League games a week. Yeah, okay. And it's just like like two games on TV. And I don't yeah. know if they're trying to grow the game here. I don't know if they're trying to. Um, expand the game here but honestly man I can't see the game being professional here in, in 10 years time I can't see it happening it's, it's a worrying sign for all the rugby league fans out there in, in Australia uh, it's, it's pretty worrying over here in terms of uh, grassroots participation numbers rugby league here uh, the development pathways there is none there's no elite junior competition here. Um, there's no reserve grade competition here. It's just there's no there's no pathway to stay, and there's a lot of kids. And rugby union's the big dog over here as well. So any yeah, good yeah. super league kid, any good junior, uh, rugby union will just come over, give them two hundred k contract, come play rugby union, and so. Rugby league over here is up against the wall, pretty much. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that down the track, but bro, yeah, it's pretty worrying. That is worrying, eh? Cause especially like people like yourself, or does anyone later in their NRL career, they seem to enjoy going over there and you know playing a few years over there as well. So you always want that, and you want it. You want it for the Englishmen as well, and like all the European, you want them to stay. You want the competition to stay strong. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh, it's it's crazy. If you've got the most money here at a club, Warrington, St. Helens, Wigan, you're always going to be at the top of the table. Like, yeah. You're always going to be in the finals because you've, you've got the biggest wallet. You can just buy the best players. Yeah, they do, bro, but nobody cares about the game here that much. So they can just <laughs> do cash payments. Who, 
Like, it's weird, bro. Like, I've been here for three years. I've been drug tested once. Yeah, Because right. apparently it costs too much money. It costs too much money to drug test people. It's just like, just small things like that, bro. It just makes you makes you wonder, um, you know, the future of the game. And there's no RLPA here. That's another massive one. So yeah, a yeah, club definitely. could call me tonight and say, "Oh, you need a bit, you need a little promo tomorrow, or we've got a training session tomorrow. You've got to be there." Um, there's some clubs that play on Christmas Day here, bro. It's just like, oh really? Yeah, and, and as a player, you have to play. You, you there's there's no <laughs> there's no middleman to protect you from your club, uh, and that's what the game desperately needs over here. There's no there's no minimum wage here. So I was with I was at Salford and one kid was on um ten thousand dollars for the whole year and he's a full time professional. Yeah, right. Like, well, I didn't, didn't know that. Just, hey, that's, that's nuts. Oh bro, like if you if you dig down, like there's a good subject for you to dig into, bro, because it's just it's a worrying sign, man. Because Yeah. There's yeah, the, the the players over here are just getting we're just getting Used man. Um, yeah. Give you an example, bro. Last last year, we played seven games, seven games in two weeks. Seven games Just in two weeks. Seven games in two weeks, bro. Are you serious? <laughs> like, I believe bro, you. Bro, that's, that's just friggin'. That's just. I can't. I got no words, eh? I got nothing to yeah. say to that. And then they carry on about. Player safety. I'm just like, bro, are you serious? Um, player well being. They go on about player well being and that. It's just what's that? I'm oh, sorry, bro. I was gonna say your body's knackered after one game, let alone playing oh, seven in two weeks. <laughs> it's bro, and that's all for um revenue because they need the money. Like clubs need the money, so they can just put as many games on as they can to get the gate tickets and the sales and that. And as a player, bro, you, you got to do it, or you'll you'll get your contract ripped. It's like, yeah, right, bro. That's it's crazy. I definitely need to look more into that, eh? Because I'm not going to lie yeah. to you, I don't watch too much Super League. Like I watch it if I catch it on Foxtel. I just said you got got to have Foxtel, but yeah, I don't. I don't go out of my way to watch too much of it. Hundred percent, bro. And, and why would you? Like, kind of think, what? Like, why would you? Yeah. And, and that's that's the market that Super League should be trying to target. It's the NRL audience. Yeah. But it just does. It feels like they don't don't bother, bro. Like, honestly, don't bother. It's just it does my head in. So do you get many? Anyway. Do you get many fans of games in that, or is it pretty quiet? I was at Salford, you know, like the biggest crowds are like 5,000. Um, yeah, right. Who's got the biggest following? Probably Wigan, but they'll probably average probably 8,000 at a game. Um, if you watch if you watch a game on TV, just look at the crowd, bro. And yeah, that's what I was asking you because it looks like there's bloody no one here half the time. So exactly, because no one cares. Yeah. Bro, no one cares about the game here. Like, actually, no one, no one gives a... Two shits about the game here. It's it's pretty <laughs> yeah. sad, bro. But this is the way, this is the trajectory the game's going, and that's why I said in ten years' time, bro. I don't think that, I don't think this will be professional. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty sad. Eh? It's pretty, yeah, pretty rough. Anyway, that was a good. That was a good little segment there, mate. That was good. Good on you. <laughs> yes, that's bro. I could go because, <laughs> bro, I like the game. I could go on for ages of, of what. What they need to do over here, bro. But it's just, yeah. no, no one's going to listen. So it's just crazy. It's crazy. You're very, very passionate about it. You should start your own RPA over there. You should be the leader, mate. Oh, bro, Tom Simons tried to do that. So when Tommy Simons was over here at Warrington, oh, yeah. I think he tried to. I think he tried to do it. But uh, most of the players, like the, cult, the culture, bro, is a bit too prideful to like come yeah, together yeah. as a unit. And like, I remember RLPA back when we finally got serious, like Robbie Farrer, Jonathan Thurston, Cameron Smith, like they were like leading all the players on the first CBA deal. I remember that clearly. All the yep. senior players, Robbie Farrell was there too. Uh, they all, we all came together on a Zoom and like said, this is what we're going to say. This is what we're going to do. 
But to get the top Super League players just to do that, bro, it probably wouldn't happen on a Zoom call. Like, yeah, you got to get know. them all in the room, in the room together, sort type thing. Bro, that's my head. <laughs> all right, well, we'll keep going with me. I've got a little itinerary here, so keep going. Yeah, soon as bro. All good. All good. <laughs> I was going to say, so you had three coaches in your first three years, if I'm not mistaken. Was that was that hard or was it, like, good, I suppose, to learn all different tactics and different ways of training and that sort of stuff? I always knew that Ivan was leaving, so mentally we all knew that was going to happen. And I was looking forward to Brian McLennan coming as well because he was Kiwi and he's from Leeds and he was pretty successful. And I heard a lot yeah. of good stories about uh, Bluey. And I really respected Bluey. He's a, he's a coach that really looked after his players, really cared for the well-being of his players. And not every NRL coach is like that. Yeah, okay. um, and to see the way he was treated, like he wasn't given a proper, like, just to see the way he was treated, it kind of opened your eyes up to the game you I'm in the profession. I'm in the yeah the side of the business side of of wins and losses, and I kind of learned at a young age that, or early in my career, that uh, there's no loyalty in the game. Like you could be a really nice bloke, really good bloke, but if you're not getting those wins and losses, it doesn't matter. You're gone. Yeah. Um, and so I learned that listen. I learned that lesson early in my career. It's very similar to JT, uh, Jason Taylor, like a player, a uh, coach that really looked after his players kind of thing and really cared about the well-being and et cetera. I really liked him, but at the end of the day, it comes down to wins and losses. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're a good bloke or not. Um, and this is what happens. And then we had Matty Elliott, and he kind of brought in a lot of new things I don't think it clicked really well with a lot of the players. Uh, and, yeah, I think he lasted like a year, maybe, a year and a half. Uh, so, yeah, it was an interesting time, mate. Yeah, definitely. You had, you had um, Ivan Cleary at all three clubs too, didn't you? All three clubs you're at. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. As I said before, I've got a good relationship with Ivan. I'm really happy for him that he's doing really well at Pen- uh, Penrith. Um Again, like the changing of coaches, I, I saw that 2015, at the end of the season, we had a horrid injury. Like, out of the top 30, I think 15 players were, were injured. And at the end of the 2015 season, Ivan got sacked. Yeah. Where the year before, 2014, he got Daily M Coach of the Year. It was just like, <laughs> what? And then, yeah. you know. I was a bit wiser then than looking at the back room and then, like, you know, Gus and that all pulling kind of strings and that. Um, then they brought in Anthony Griffin and, yeah, that kind of, that kind of was the end of my Penriston. As soon as Ivan left, I think everyone that Ivan brought, they're trying to get out of the club. So that was yeah. more a polit- So you learn more about politics and then how player managers operate in terms of um, they want to bring in players that are on their books as well as the coaches on the same books. Yeah. That's another rabbit hole that I've been looking into. Uh, Coaches, managers, and players' managers are the same manager. So how how is the oversight? All the players... Yeah, like all the players that have the same manager are going to the coach with the same manager. So surely that's good business. Surely like backroom doors deals are going on. Like there's no oversight for that. It's it's crazy. But the more you look into it, the more you see. Yeah, I think majority of the players in Penrith are all SFX players. Um, Daryl Mathers. Coach Ivan Cleary is SFX like Daryl Mathers. So you can't tell me they ain't back deal. Dealing's going on behind the scenes, bro. You can't <laughs> tell me that. Well, that's, that's happening to Manly too at the moment. The, um, Anthony Seabold's manager is 
also managing like seven or eight of the Manly boys, and he's getting more in next right. year. So, yeah. Right, there we go, there we go. Like, who who can who's oversight of that? Like, who's looking at their deals, kind of thing. I remember when Steve Kearney was at the Warriors. Isaac Moses was Steve Kearney's manager. That's that's Bro, majority of the players were coming in. They were all Isaac Moses players. So, bro, you can't tell me there's no shifty deals going at the back. <laughs> bro, that's another one you should go in, bro. Another rabbit hole you should go down, honestly. Well, I, I've been hearing a bit about it because they talk about it um, now with the Manly situation, and he is the manager. It's the same guy, Isaac Moses. Oh, bro, there you go. Yeah, there you go. And he, he done it at Man- – uh, sorry, not Manly. He done it at the Eels too, apparently. Years ago, yeah, and the Broncos. So he's done it at a few clubs now. Yeah, the you know they hold all the cards. I reckon, in my opinion, they hold the cards. They've got a big player name on their books, and they're players at a club. Like they can like, oh, if you don't sign this player, well, your big player is going to leave. I'm going to make him leave if you don't sign my other guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, if definitely. you don't sign my junior, if you don't sign my junior, well, then my big my big player, I'm going to pull him out of the club. So you could use it to leverage to get more of your players in the same club, bro. It's yeah, bro. Go down that rabbit hole, gee. I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a lot, I've got a few rabbit holes to go down. Don't worry about that. Um, Good content, heaps of content ideas. Yeah, for sure. Um, so playing for the Panthers, you set the record for the most tackles in a game. You've always been like a defensive player, or is that something you just gradually got better at, or? What's the story there, mate? Well, back at the Warriors, bro, like that was, if you wanted to be in the first grade team, bro, you had to be good at defending. Like that was one of the, I don't know, like if you wanted to be in the first grade, you had to make your tackles. If you, if you weren't going to play, you're not playing first grade if you miss your tackles. That was yeah, pretty okay. much it. If you miss tackles, you're not playing. So in my mind, as a young kid, I'm just thinking, bro, I'm going to do exactly what Ivan said, if that's the way I'm going to get in. And yeah. I've never liked it, but I've always been good at it. So, yeah. and if, if that was keeping me in the first grade team, well then, Brett, obviously, I've got to keep getting good at it. And I remember that game 2015, bro. That was probably the worst game I've ever played in terms of um, set completions. We had a lot of boys oh. on debut, I think. We had Dallin on debut, maybe. Uh, we had Wanga on debut, Wanga Blake. Yep. We had a lot of outside backs that were young, and they kept, but we kept knocking the ball on tackle one or tackle two, and then we just, I just remember defending the whole game. We were defend, defending against like Tamalolo and Tamo and that. No, oh, yeah, big boys. Houston was running the muck. Yeah, Matt Scott. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man. I remember that game because I remember I was so frustrated because our outside our outside backs kept dropping the ball and we had to defend <laughs> up, bro. That's like yeah. a scene, eh? If you're an outside back, don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball, bro. come down to the edge. Hundred percent, bro. I could write a book on that. Oh, lad. <laughs> so, how did you yeah, feel after I- that game? Were you bloody just absolutely knackered or what? No, actually, I felt all right. I didn't, I didn't know until the next day until one of the boys chucked it on the WhatsApp. But after the game, I was only like 24, so my body was still in good shape kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, nah, no. Nah, I, I felt the same after every game, like just disappointed. Yeah, right. Mate, I'll be, I'm, I'm knackered after doing two t- – well, I don't play anymore, but when I did play, I was knackered after doing two tackles, so 77. That's unbelievable. It's crazy. Um, okay. Is Matt Scott like? Obviously, I don't know anymore. But I went. I remember I watched um, Matt Scott play at Newcastle once. That's where I'm from, around Newcastle. Um, yeah. And he, I reckon he was bigger than Tom Lolo. Is that is that just like just how he looked at the time, or can you confirm that, or do you reckon Tom Lolo is a bigger bigger bloke? Oh, I know Matt Scott's taller. He's definitely taller. Like, yeah, I mean, they're like, both big bodies, man. Muscly, like this huge, eh? They're oh. both yeah, they're both, bro, both massive. Um, and they're hard to tackle, bro, especially Tom Alolo with his late feet. Like, bro. Yeah, uh, good football, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, but Matt Scott was definitely one of the hardest blokes to tackle in my career, man. Yeah. Like, the way he just ran the ball, the way he ran the ball, man, is just like, he got a lot of speed up as well. He didn't really step, he just ran straight. Um, yeah, he's a tough bloke to tackle. Yeah, I just remember, because, like, watching him on TV, Tom Lolo always looks bigger, but I remember in person, I reckon Matt Scott just looked bigger. He looked like an absolute monster. Anyway, that's that. Yeah, bro, they're both monsters. Isn't that Jimmy Tamo, bro? He's a monster. Oh, yeah, bro, yeah, yeah. You know? Sure. Bro, yeah, who else was there in their Ford pack? I remember that a massive Ford pack. Oh, Gavin Cooper? Were you there at that time? Gavin Cooper, yeah, 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 Matt Scott, yeah, Jimmy Tamo, yeah, Gavin Cooper. Yeah, bro. I remember that big, big Ford pack, man. So, no, it was good. Yeah, good stuff. So, you became vice captain at the Tigers when you were there. Was that a good achievement for you? Or, no, obviously it was, but how yeah, that uh, feeling? Yeah. It was all right. It was all right. Um, it just shows Ivan trusted me. He had a lot of trust in me, Ivan, uh, back then to get a job done. Um, Thought we had a really good team. We just missed out on that eight. I think we got 30, po- 30 points, 28 points, I think. It usually guaranteed you in the eight, but the competition was so tight that year. Yeah. 2018. Yeah, we just missed out. Um, so, yeah, that was disappointing. And then Ivan left and then Madge came. And then, um, yeah, pretty much went downhill from there. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to talk to you about Madge. Is he, is he as hard as what everyone says he is, like as a coach? Is he flog years or what? Yeah, bro. Yeah, 100%. All the stories you've heard are true. <laughs> They're all true. Right, They're well. all true. 100%. Like, he's got a reputation for hard training. Um, that's not um, sustainable. Yeah, looked up to that. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it sustainable? Like, if yeah, there was a club, just say like Perth came in, started a franchise, or Adelaide Rams came in, like Madge is the coach you want to start a team. Yeah, set okay. the set the standards, set the bar, uh, organization in terms of structure, systems, uh, back staff, front office staff. Like Madge is your guy to implement and start a club like because he's he's hands-on and he's so he's so thorough with preparation like he's probably one of the best coaches i've had in terms of uh preparation like there's never a time you don't know what's going on like he's on he's on the game the whole time which is which is one of the strongest assets like he's so thorough and he's so honest with everything um but is it sustainable? That's the question. Is that type of training sustainable over two years, three years, four years? Uh, in my yeah. opinion, bro, as a player, bro, it's not for your body. It's not sustainable for your body. No way. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the South boys I've spoken to, you know, a lot of them retired after matches time because his trainings are just so so intense yeah. um, in terms of contact yeah. uh, contact does sessions go, and running sessions. Yeah. Does he make you go like 100% at training? Yeah, contact sessions, bro. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So mouth guard, strap. <laughs> and, and it gets to the point, gets to the point where you're thinking um if I don't go hard here, I'm going to get injured. So I need yeah. to go hard here to protect myself, to, to, to protect my body. Because that's when you get injured is when you're just cruising and one, another player is going 100% balls out. That's when yeah. you get injured because you, you went into the tackle softly. So you start thinking, bro, I've got to, I've got to like think I'm in a game every time I'm training or I'm going to get injured kind of thing. Um. So, yeah, that's what I'll say about that. Um, just the sustainability is the type of training sustainable for long periods of time on the match. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. So, did many people get injured at training when you were there because of that type of training? or Yeah, bro, I've seen someone break their back. <laughs> someone broke their back at training, bro. 
Bristol says, yeah, yeah. That's Mahe, Mahe, Panoa, Mahe Panoa picked up uh, some uh, Dylan Smith, slammed him on his back, bro. And then everyone was like, get up, Dylan, get up. And he was like, I'm trying to. <laughs> and then he went and got scans, bro. He broke his back kind of thing. It's just like, you see syndesmosis. Some yeah. of the wrestle tackles. Um, some of the tackles, you're, you're, you're driving the player back. You're dragging him back to, you know, make him lose meters. And then you see the leg get trapped in between and then snap. Or like, you know. But that happens at every club. It wasn't just at, at Tigers, but... Yeah, yeah, definitely. We think if, but, you get, if you're getting a broken back at training, then you got to, maybe should tone it down a bit. <laughs> it's just, you know, rugby league is a contact sport. It's a hard sport to play, but... Yeah, yeah. As soon as all clubs start adopting the Melbourne Storm Wrestle sessions, that's where they all come from. Yeah. That's where... Um, and then you add that to a, a running preseason, like running like ten k's a session. But the body's bound to give way sooner or later, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, Madge, Madge was definitely the hardest training I've ever done. Yeah, right. What about our man, Anthony Griffin? What was he like as a coach? He seems like a bit of a different character, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, so when he yeah when he when he came to Penrith, he came. I don't know what Gus had said to him, but um, yeah, he, he came and the way I wouldn't say his man man management skills are the best of communicating, um, letting players know you know what's going on, like kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of frustration back then because especially like when you're trying to play first grade but you don't know why. Or you'll just make up some reason why you're not playing kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's right. frustrating as a player. Where I think if, you, if you're going to be a coach, bro, especially today, day and age, you've got to be good at communicating. You've got to be good at man management. You've got to be good at those little things. Or you're going to lose your dressing room. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to treat players like shit, don't expect the players to go into bat for you when it's a review at the end of the year. If, you know, if you're going to yeah. treat your your own staff like crap, yeah, like don't expect them to go into bat for you when they're doing a review of the coach. Yeah, with the right. board talking about how good this coach is. Yeah, and eventually it caught up with them, like all the players. Or the, even his own coaching staff and the end of year reviews, they weren't pretty. Um, bit of karma there. Bit of. <laughs> if, well, if you're going to treat people like. Bro, if you're going to treat people like crap. Yeah, you know, sorry, bro. Yeah, like if you're going to treat people like not good, well, then don't expect, you know, their feedback to be good about you. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Eventually, that's what got them. Yeah, no brainer, really. I was going to say that's that's happened to him at a few clubs now, so it's not like it's not like an isolated incident. Like he mustn't just yeah. I see how he is just wherever he goes. Well, eh? That's that's the things, and that's exactly what happened to Madge at Cells. So Madge left Cells because the training load was too much, and yeah, then yeah. he comes to Tigers. Similar thing. That's the same thing. <laughs> it just. You know, you, you want to learn from your mistakes kind of thing. Um, yeah, and that's yep. exactly what Anthony Griffin, exactly the same. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's just well, obviously keeping in, intact with the NRL, but you see he's gone again. He went from the Dragons this year as well. Like he didn't keep his job there. So probably similar thing up <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. You just... Um, yeah, bro, you just see them you know, come and go and uh, you just hope they learn from their lessons. Like, yeah, it, it just makes sense. If you don't learn from your lessons, that's that's insane. Kind of. Yeah, definitely. 
So 2020, you signed with Salford, and you went there in 2021. How was the the move? How did you adapt to the weather? How did all that go, mate? Right? Yeah, so I was I was looking forward to. I was actually supposed to retire after 2020 because my my body was my body was gone, especially yeah. with Madge's training. So I was under Madge two years. Um, yeah, my body was my body was knackered. Uh, plan was to go straight into the airlines for Qantas. Um, but then COVID happened and then they stopped hiring uh, any any pilots in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I was like, yeah. yeah, bro. I was like, oh, man, I need another league gig to, to get me through. Yeah. And then Salford, yeah, I got an opportunity to go to Salford. It was really cool. It was exciting. Uh, my wife was excited. My family was excited. Uh, we got here, bro, the physios looked after me. The training was not intense, like not as intense as it was with Madge. My body started feeling good again. Uh, yeah. Mentally, I, I felt fresh because I had a new coach and he wasn't as intense as Madge. Uh, so, yeah, got a, bro, got a new appreciation for, for league. I found the fun again. I found it so. Yep. To be having fun with at training, we're back in back in NRL, bro. Like it's all serious now. There's no like really mucking around kind of thing. It's hundred um, percent. You got to be on all the time. And I really enjoyed it coming to Salford. I did a bit of travelling and got to play in some super league, super league crowds, which are pretty. They're all right with the with the chanting and the singing and that. It's pretty cool. I was going to say, are they um, like as wild as they are in Australia? The crowds are a bit more mellow. Or you said the singing and the chanting, but they go as nuts as they do over here in Australia. Yeah, no, they, they go more nuts over here, I reckon. Way yeah, right. more nuts. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the chanting and the singing is pretty cool as well, man. So, um, yeah, any NRL fans watching, you gotta you got to come to a, a Super League game one time and just the atmosphere – at one of those small grounds, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. My grandma's from England, so hopefully she can see if she's got any uh, links over there. Mike is in cheap flights, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Can't remember where she was from, but anyway, it doesn't matter. So, how'd you go with the, the weather change, man, over there? Like the cold weather. Uh, it was alright, bro. Like, so we're doing like fitness preseason, and it was freezing. So usually in Australia, you do pre-season, bro, it's cooking. It's like 35 degrees. You're sweating. Yeah. You're waking up, you're sweating. You're going to sleep, you're sweating. But over here, bro, it was nice and cool. So you could – felt cold was so much easier because it was nice and cold. Um, your head yeah. wasn't about to pop. <laughs> so, yeah, I adjusted pretty good, to be fair. Um, one of my first sessions, it was snowing. I was – Bro, that kind of blew me away kind of thing. I was just like, fuck, this is, no, this is be, weird. That would be uh, weird. <laughs> but there were some players there too, Colin Mockins, uh, Kev Brown, Lee Mossop, Andy Ackers, uh, Danny Eddy, some good players uh, that I, I played with at Salford. Uh, really, really fortunate to play with uh, Colin Mockins and um, Kev Brown because they're legends over here and Lee Mossop. Um, so that was pretty special. Um, and no, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Was there any um NRL boys, former NRL boys playing in that team when you got there? Yeah, so Christian Enny was there, Ken Co was there, uh, Sebastian Ikaifo was there. Yep. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So they helped no, you good. get settled in and so on, or? He's done it yeah, yourself. we had a good crew. We had a good crew, man. Um, all the English lads were, were awesome too. They were they were welcoming as well. Uh, so yeah, it was good to get to know them. Yeah, right. Um, Chris and Inu, how, how is he as a player? Okay, because I'm I'm a doggies fan, so I always remember him playing for the doggies years ago, and he was one of my favourites. So is, is he a good fella or what? Yeah, <laughs> man, he's he's the man. Um, he's so chilled and relaxed. And calm in, in big situations. And it's yeah. good to have a player like that. 
it's nice and relaxed because it rubs off on everyone else. Um, he's a coach now at Salford. He's an assistant coach. All right. They were, they were going all right at the start of the season. Um, but I remember, yeah, he left the Warriors. And I remember thinking, why would you leave? Why do they let him go? He was one of the best wingers in the game. And then he went to the yep. Dogs. And then he just made the grand final. Yeah, he killed for it, he was one of our best. How do we, we let him go, man? Um, yeah. This is one of those things. You, it's out of your control, Connor. Did um the dogs ever contact you, mate? Nah, nah, never, never been in contact with the dogs. Uh, I used to love the dogs growing up. Uh, Two thousand and fourteen, man. Like you know, you can name the team off by heart. Like I remember, I could name the whole team off by heart, kind of thing. It's just yeah. It's um, over, over the glory uh, days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were the dogs of war, bro. Like defensively, you know, just yep. bro. They used to just smash teams with their defense. Yep. And yeah, those days are long gone now, kind of thing. Um, but hopefully, you know, dogs. Cam Serrato <laughs> and Gus can turn it around. Um, they got the team. They, I can see the team on paper that they're building. It's a nice team. Yeah, but whether they can just you know, get those wins consistently—that's the question. Yeah, they've, got, they've signed some really good players the last couple of years, and this year they've been hampered with injuries, which hasn't helped. But um, I could see brand new coach like Ciro—he hasn't coached first grade before, so you know, a big challenge. But they'll get there, man. They'll, they'll become good again. Yeah, Takiaho, bro. is a good signing, man. Takiaho, Vili. Who that Luke Thompson? Are they, are they trying to release him or? Um, I'm not sure. I think I think they will. Sure. He's been there for a few years now, and he's he's, like, he's been injured most of the time, which it isn't his fault. But like, I think I think they're paying him eight hundred fifty thousand, and he's off he's off the field more than he's on it. So I think they're going to try oh, and release sure. him. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, Takiyaho is a massive signing for us. This for his leadership, and he's you know he's. He's a bit older, but the leadership's definitely what we need in our young team now. Yeah, yeah he's played in some big games too, man. Like, yeah. If I was ever, you know, going to recruit a team, I'd definitely recruit um, Siwa because he can go- kick goals as well and he can play big minutes. Yeah. Um, so, no. And he's been in the Roosters system, like a, a winning culture, so he knows what it's about. Yep. So after the Salford, you went to well, you're at Featherstone Rovers or Featherstone, however you pronounce it. Yeah, like a, are they in like a um? Is that like a New South Wales Cup sort of equivalent sort of competition over there? Uh, kind of. Kind of. It's not as it's not as hard as New South Wales Cup. No way. Oh, I don't know. Like the 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 the, the intensity of playing that. Nah. It's below New South Wales Cup. Um, but yeah, we're in championship. So that's the competition below Super League. So we're trying yep. to get promoted. Um, so we've got to win our grand final this year to get promoted into Super League. That's the reason why I went there. That's the reason why. Um, yeah, yeah, I went to a championship team because they. They wanted to get to Super League. Yep. And, um, yeah, we're eight points clear at the top. We've got six more rounds left, and then we get into the finals. And if we win the grand final, we'll make it into Super League. So that's the goal for the club. Yeah, it's awesome. So you sign on there for next year too, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, only only if we go up. If we don't go up, then I'm not signed there. So, yeah. Yeah, all right, man. Good stuff. Um, Looking forward to Let's it. talk about your, your pilot's license. How how that all happen? You've always been into flying or just wanted an extra different career path? or no, Yeah, so uh, I remember like 2018 at the Tigers, um, Peter Godinane was doing it. He was a, he was a hooker. He, he, was, he was doing his license. And then I was thinking, far, that sounds cool. So I went and had a talk with him, and then um, Sam uh, Ben Harris. Sorry, he used to play for the Dogs. He yep. was a center. Uh, ben yep. Harris back in two thousand and four. So he's a he's a Qantas captain or Jetstar captain. 
Yeah. A320. And, and he had a coffee with me, bro. And he, and he just told me, um, if, you, if you want to do it, I can help you um, study with the questions, etc. And then I just jumped in it from there. Because uh, I, I know my body is going to be destroyed after footy by yeah. everything. Uh, and so I just thought it would be a job where I could do it and it wouldn't be physically taxing. Like I wouldn't have to use too much physical, uh, you know, yeah. movements to get the wouldn't job done. Only like playing footy type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's... Oh, lost you there. You back? Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> And, that, and that's the reason, and that's the reason why I've done it is, um, and I'm planning on retiring in 2020, but that wasn't been to the case because of COVID. So, yeah, that was the yeah, yeah. That's the reason why I've done it. Yep. So, was the theory for that like heaps hard? How did you get time to like to do all the theory work and the training and all that? How did you fit all that in? Yeah, bro. The theory was the hardest by far. It's probably the, one of the hardest things I've done. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of times during study I was just thinking, bro, this is way over my head. This stuff, <laughs> um, honestly, yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the questions and like flight planning or navs uh, were crazy hard. Um, but I wasn't playing first grade. Like Madge wasn't choosing me to play first grade, so I was playing reserve grade, and it was kind of annoying me. So I was thinking, bro, I've got to do something else. So, <laughs> so I just started reading books. And studying um, pilot books, pilot exams. Um, our off season in 2018, so there's like a six week window, eight week window for our holidays. And so I was able to smash out all my theory exams in that eight week block. Um, that was pretty intense. Like I won't lie, bro. That was that was that theory. That all the theory questions were pretty hard. But I managed to get through it in the end, and um, yeah, bro, it was it was so tough, bro. I, I, I don't think I'd recommend it to another player, to be honest, because bro, like some there were so many times where I was just thinking, bro, what am I doing, bro? This is way too hard for me. Yeah, um, but, my, yeah, you eventually get through. Yeah, bro, my brain, my brain was my brain fried so many times. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. So, have you flown any like what sort of like planes? Have you flown any big, big suckers or just normal little ones? Or what? What are you flying? Nah, man? not 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 any big ones yet. Uh, there's a weight limit to what I can fly. I've got an Australian license, um, so to fly here, I'd have to convert it to a UK license. Oh yeah. Uh, if I go back to New Zealand, I've got to convert it to a New Zealand license. Um, but now I've only flown Sisters, Pipers, and a Duchess. The Duchess is a, a twin engine, um, a twin engine plane. So, yeah, right. the Duchess would probably be the fastest plane I've flown. But other than that, bro, I, I've only I've only flown um, small craft. Yep. Yeah. Is that, um, that pretty scary when you're first doing it, or is it? Sorry, you're trying for it, so you're probably all right with it, I guess. No, yeah, you're excited, bro. It's like driving a car. It's like, um, you know, the first time you drive a car and you're like, yeah, Dad, yeah. let me drive to the shop. Can I get, get, get... <laughs> you know, when you're driving a car, bro, you're like, Dad, can I drive to the shop? Oh, Dad, yeah. Can I get you some groceries? Yep. Right, like 100%. And that's what, that's what the feeling is. Um, you know, you do all these theory tests, you do all these practice flights, and you're just waiting for that day until your instructor says, oh, yeah, you're ready to go for a solo. Uh, yeah, bro, you're like a little kid, just like, yeah, yeah, watch this, watch this kind of thing. That would but, freak me out, man. That would freak me out, eh? <laughs> I think yeah, I'll be I, suppose, I suppose yeah, everyone's different, but... Yeah. Uh, oh, no, bro, I just found that exciting, eh? It was, it was exciting. That's awesome, man. Good stuff. What about your um, music career, man? How's all that going? Are you planning on doing that like a full-time thing or just a just a hobby? Nah, it's just a hobby, bro. Um yeah, uh, I've always done it. Like during the during my career, like always wrote down, always was writing bars after games during trainings on my phone. 
making music on my phone, especially at the Warriors when I was back at the Warriors. Like a lot of the, a lot of the, the raps I've said in on my Instagram, I wrote them back in two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it was, it was one of my teammates over here at Salford. His name's Dan Sargentson. He's a good setup, bro, England center. And he just kept egging me on because I was pretty shy. I didn't want to, didn't want anyone to hear me, kind of thing. I just want to keep the music to myself. Yeah, bro. And he just kept, he encouraged me to just put it out there, bro. And just do it. Like, who cares? Yeah, right. And I was just worried about what what people were gonna think, worried about what people were gonna say, kind of thing, but. Once I got over that hurdle, it was pretty sweet. So I just, I just kept doing it. Um, yeah, it's definitely just a hobby. Like, yeah. Today, bro, I don't think you can make money from music unless, like, if you're signed to a label. But as soon as you sign to a label, bro, you can't, you can't talk about what you want to talk about, or you can't write songs what you want to write songs about. Yeah, so they have full control blitz. over. Yeah, they, they have full control over everything you you release, and that's something that I don't think. Well, that I don't want. Um, yeah, because yeah, I like talking about controversial subjects. <laughs> and, Fair enough. But man. it's it's um yeah, it would just be a hobby at the time. But I, I find it really a lot of fun because. Uh, in music, there's nothing wrong. Nothing's wrong in music. Uh, there's no one way to do something. There's always different ways to cook up a recipe kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just a good way to get away from rugby league as well. Yeah, It's yeah, a good way yeah. to um, separate. And No, it's cool. Like Some of the boys are saying, oh, you should, you should write a song about this, or you should write a song about this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I might, I might do that. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's, it's pretty chilled, pretty chilled about it. And, um, yeah, I'll just just keep posting just for fun kind of thing. Yeah, man. Are you you writing more songs now or just not really doing any? No, no, I'm always writing, bro. I'm always writing, always writing. Um, but no, it's cool. I enjoy it, bro. Sorry, bro. How how many songs you got on, um, Spotify? How many songs have you got now? I think there's only 10. I think there's only 10 on Spotify at the moment. Um, Again, like, because it's just a hobby, I'm not too focused on, like, bro, I've got to get heaps of music on there. I've got to get heaps of music on there. So it's just a hobby at the moment. So I'm just chucking up willy-nilly, put it on SoundCloud, whatever, and we'll just go from there. But, uh, like, yeah, eventually, bro, you just want to just keep putting out songs that can hopefully educate people or hopefully uh, encourage people to do something. Or yep. there's too much music out there, bro, that's just trash, talking about alcohol, talking about women, talking about money, talking about going to the clubs. And that. Right. That's what that's what most of them are about right. these days. Exactly, exactly, bro. And like the, the, that's all they that's all they talk about, bro. That, you know, there's there's no encouraging kind of music, or there's no kind of educational kind of music. And that's the hip hop I grew up on is storytelling, and like people telling stories about, uh, you know, this that this is what and this is what's yeah. going to happen. So, I, I definitely want to go down that avenue of releasing music that's that's clean there's no swearing in it uh you could play it you could put it on music on anywhere and no one like you know no kids are gonna hear hear swearing or anything um yeah hopefully it encourage people like I, I read a song about studying um late night studying yeah, like, right. just music like that that could encourage someone you know go and study something go on um you know Get your head in the books, just just music like that that can um, encourage people to I don't know train or encourage people to do something positive instead of just like talking about the same same yeah clubs and girls and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
that's all there is. And to be honest, the labels, that's all they want. That's the music they're going to push. They're only going to push that music. Yeah. They're only going to push that, the music that talks about all that stuff. Where it's not, bro, it's not edifying or encouraging at all, bro. Yeah. A few of my mates listen to, like, rap music, and I always tease them saying that's all I talk about. And they, they get pretty defensive, but it's true. That is all I talk about. That's <laughs> actually all they talk about, honestly. Yep. All right, man. Well, it's already been an hour, so I'll ask you a few questions. One of my mates got a question for you. You don't need to answer it. But, uh... <laughs> I said to him, he probably won't answer it, man. It's pretty uh, yeah, different. But he said, out of all the clubs you played for, was there, any, was there anyone you disliked? If yes, who and why? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, bro. Oh, you don't need to get into details, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, honestly, uh, I don't know. Oh, bro. Nah, I can't say that. You can't say that? I can't say that. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, too much respect. <laughs> and it was a long time ago, bro. It was a long time ago, so I got too much respect. <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough, man. I told him, I told him he oh, bloody can't ask him that. He can't put anyone under the spotlight, but anyway. <laughs> um, well, this is one of my own because I'm just interested in it. Who was your like top three, like toughest players you played against or with? Toughest, toughest, bro. First one will be Chrissy Lawrence. Bro, smashed his face in. Like, bro, I swear, like a horror movie. His face, <laughs> his face was like smashed in. You swear, crazy. Um, yeah, bro, yeah, he comes I back. That one. Bro, he comes back like three months later, playing again. Yeah. I was just like, bro, you're tough. Yeah, that's <laughs> months, three months later, he was, he was playing again. Uh, yeah, Christy Lawrence, definitely. Uh, I'll go Simon Mannering, number two. Bro, he's just so reliable, always there. Uh, yeah, Simon Mannering, number two. And then I'll go tough player. Okay, Thomas Lulawai. Uh, oh, yeah. Bro. He, he played. He played till he was about fifty, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, man. He only retired. He only retired last year. But <laughs> not the biggest bloke. But bro, can he? Can he like whack? Yeah. Um, oh, bro, like probably the best hitter. One of the best hitters in the game. Um, well respected over here. Played for a long time. Tough as nails. Yeah, very good. Uh, another one. Someone sent in, they said, playing for New Zealand, you couldn't play State of Origin, but how much did you enjoy watching it and who did you cheer for anyone in the State of Origin or do you cheer for anyone? Nah, so, bro, I loved watching the games, obviously, since you're a young kid. Um, yeah. The, bro, the games are always what, always, um, they were always tight. Uh, yeah. Bro, Jonathan Thurston was one of my favourite players, bro. And just watching yeah. him play, <clears throat> watching him play all the time, bro. Just like defensively, he was sound. His kicking game and big moments, bro. And like, it always looked like he had time on his hands. So he'll be pretty Queensland and Jonathan Thurston because I always wanted to see him play well. Yeah, as a Blues fan, uh, Jonathan Thurston is one of me, <laughs> one of my worst nightmares. He killed us so many times, <laughs> eh? so many times. Yeah, yeah, man. He's crazy, bro. Like. Yeah, man, he's he's probably one of the best ever to do it. Definitely, hundred percent. Oh, another question about players: Who was probably well? Who's the best player you've ever played with or against? Again, up up to you. Sonny, bro, Sonny Bill Williams, bro. Like, wow. Yeah. Just yeah. that everything, like the, the 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 height as well, the speed, step, can hit with his shoulder, break everything. No, if you ever had to create a rugby league player on a computer, like, <laughs> bro, or in a lab, bro, if you had to make a player in the lab, like, what would you make? You'd make someone like, exactly like Sonny Bill, bro. Honestly. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm just saying, bro, man, yeah. had, it, had it all. Had it all. So you would have looked up to him as a young fella, too, I'm assuming. Being a oh, definitely, bro, player. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Him and yeah, a lot of a lot of players I used to look up to when I was when I was growing up. Yep. Um, 
any advice for some young footy players just starting just starting their footy career, man? Advice would be go to Melbourne. Honestly, go to Melbourne, go to Melbourne bro. Go into the system. Oh, sorry, find one of the big managers. So I think there's four big managers. I think Moses. Who else? Uh, who else is it, bro? bro. Gaddis. Yeah. I think there's like four, and they yeah. pretty much run the whole game. Like they've got big players at every club. So get yeah. one of those four managers and just tell them to get you to Melbourne. Why I say Melbourne? It's because the culture down there. There's there's got to be something down there. Like every player that comes through the Melbourne system, they have a long career. Yeah, they play a lot of test matches. They play at the high level. They're always playing finals. Uh, you know, look, Cooper Cronk, Slater, uh, Cam Smith. Smith you look yeah. at like Adam Blair, Jesse Bromwich, Kevin Proctor, Tohu Harris. Bro, they've all had long careers, bro. All of them. Um, and that's not a fluke. That's not, not a coincidence. And they've all played international. They've all played grand finals. Yeah. Uh, so if I had my time over again, bro, I'd go straight to Melbourne. No questions. I'd go there for free. As long as, yeah. I, as, long as I could train and put a uniform on, I'll go there for free. Um, and just the stories I hear about the Melbourne Storm, how the club looks after their players as well, puts them in houses, you know, um, feeds them during the day kind of thing. Professional environment, bro. That's what that's what you want to be nurtured in, as in the Melbourne Storm uh, yeah. system, definitely. Yeah, I said that in the last podcast with me, mate. Like, as much as I love my doggies, if I played NRL, I'd want to go to like a Melbourne or a Roosters just for that sort of like, as you said, people people go there, they play a long time, and they become better players in my eyes. Right, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's not, it's, you know, it's not over like a four-year period. Bro, this is like 20 years of like yeah. players coming through that system. So it's proven, bro. It's got a proven track record. And like say if your your first club was Dogs, but your young fella go to Melbourne, you know, play grand finals, play final series, play internationals, and then come back to the Dogs. You know, good coin, you're a leadership player, you're, you know, you're established. Yeah. Instead of, you know, go that avenue and always go back to the club you always wanted to because you could because you played finals. But, you know, if you go to a struggling club and you don't play finals and you don't play internationals, bro, you're not going to – no one's going to want you. Kind of yeah. thing. No, one, bro, yeah. no one's, no one's going to want to touch you. Uh, so it's just something to think about. That's just something to think about. Definitely. All right, bro. That's I'll probably do us, man. I'll let you get on with your day. Thanks so much for coming on, eh? I really appreciate it. No, bro. Um, no, bro. I always like helping out, eh? Um, so good luck with your um, your Instagram page, your podcast. I'm always going to support you, bro. Um, yeah, man. All the best. Cheers, brother. Catch you later. Thank you All very right, much. Yeah, bro.